Hey, Crosswalk. Good morning. Good morning. How we doing? We good? We out there? Yes? Hey, uh, so I'm sitting today for, uh, I'm also Captain Obvious. Um, I'm going to tell you, uh, today is going to be a little bit different, friends, family, and loved ones. If you're coming to Crosswalk, you're visiting for the first time, uh, I'm typically uh, a mover and a shaker. Um, and today I felt the need for a different vibe, um, and in part because I'm going to do something today I've only done a handful of times in my career in ministry, and that is I'm going to go a little off the cuff today, um, which means that, you know, your, your regular patty filters that gets filtered through script and words, sometimes it gets filtered through Trisha. Because let's be honest, sometimes, like, I don't, I don't know if I should say this or not, um, that, uh, you know, that none of that stuff happened today. Um, I, I can remember a wedding that I did uh, once a long time ago where um, I had a couple of students where the story was that they, they were only three years difference in age, but he started to like her during his year spent as a student missionary at a, at a boarding academy, um, and she was a senior at that boarding academy. So, in other words, the, the perception was it was a staff member and a, and a student, technically speaking, even though they were only three years apart, and he was a student, a college student, whatever. And when I went to write that homily, um, I couldn't figure out a way to tell that story without making it sound like he should be in jail. <laughs> so I probably ran like six or seven drafts past Tricia. And I was like, can I say this? She'd be like, No. Um, so anyway, and it's not that what I have to share today is anything I, I think too controversial or anything like that. It's just that it's been heavy, it's been on my heart, um, and, and I, needed to, I needed to share. So we'll see what happens. I was telling several people that one of two things happens typically when you do something like this. Either it's a horrible train wreck, at which point uh, they said if that's happening, they're just going to dim the lights and put Tim on the screen. So it'll be kind of like at the Academy Awards when they play music and you have to leave. Um, and listen, I have listened to Tim's message for this week, and it's great. You should check it out later. Please do so. If you are new to our uh, church community, we are a church a part of other churches. We're seven churches, church campuses. We've got Lovewell groups meeting all over the place. And so the way we get to do church is pretty cool. It's different for the Adventist church system, although it's fairly common in other church systems. Um, but uh, I'll explain later why what we do in this room is actually, it's not just for us. What we do in this room also is helping other people create communities like ours so they can have a place to call home as well. Um, and so, uh, but, but let me just share uh, a little bit of the roller coaster that the last several weeks has been for me. I, I hope you've all had a good summer. I hope you had a time to get away with family and have a break. Um, I was running just as much in summer as I was for months and months before summer. I was running too hard, too fast, doing too much. Um, and uh, a few weeks ago, I got to spend time at summer camp in Idaho, uh, which there's a camper here that was there, so welcome. Glad to have you here. Um, but uh, for those of you as, as a pastor, different summer camps do different things with their pastors. Some just do a morning worship or an evening worship or a staff worship. Um, at Idahaven in McCall, Idaho, a beautiful place that they say that 
state where the fun never ends. Um, you do morning worship with the kids, you do a class in the middle of the day, and then you do an evening worship with the kids. So one of my favorite things is to come back from that week and the next Saturday or at church have people say, hey, how was your vacation? <laughs> it wasn't a vacation. I slept for an hour, I think, in between my 11th and 12th talk. That was nice. That was nice. Um, but, it's, but it's busy. But what the crazy thing is about our summer camp ministry, and if you have a chance to support summer camp ministry, it's so important and so critical. Not just because we have amazing kids that go work at summer camp, and that's transformational for those that work there. Uh, but so many of our summer camps have kids that go, and for this one week, this is the only Jesus they're going to get all year. Um, and so it's really, really important and really critical. Now, if you know me well enough in this church, you know that um, my middle name is Idiot. Um, I don't mind making a fool out of myself. Uh, so typically at Idaho Haven, what I do in the morning worships, just to shake it up a little bit, um, is, I'm going to put a timer on here because I need to, to make sure Ty's laughing already. Yeah, please put a timer on there. Um, uh, no, at summer camp, in the morning worships, just to mix it up a little, I'm always a character, so I do worship as a, as a character. Uh, one year I was a drill sergeant, which was a blast because I just yelled at the kids for 10 minutes. That was a lot of fun. Um, I, I've done a reporter. Um, I've done, uh, last year I was Pattyanna Jones. I'll let that sink in a little bit. <laughs> Pattyanna Jones. Uh, I had an actual whip uh, and everything. It was fantastic. Um, this year I, I, was, um, I was Coach Beard from Ted Lasso. What was interesting to me, first of all, if you haven't seen Ted Lasso and you want to go and tell your Adventist friends that your pastor stood up and said, go watch Ted Lasso. Let me be clear. There's a lot of language in Ted Lasso. So if you don't want to see that, like, don't watch it. However, there are also times watching that show where, and I, I posted about this at one point, I was shocked and amazed that why is it that I could watch Ted Lasso a TV show and see more Christian values than I do in most Christian churches. It's amazing. Forgiveness and grace and all sorts of themes. In fact, Jason Sudeikis, who, who wrote and came up with the concept for Ted Lasso, was on Saturday Night Live after, I think, the first year, and he was commenting on how he doesn't understand why Americans like the show so much because it was based on two things that Americans hate, soccer and kindness. So there's some truth there. There's some truth there. But anyway, I was, I was telling also, but like six of the kids had actually watched it. So I, that, that character was more for me than it was for them, I think. But that's okay. But my dose of reality that week at summer camp was that there was a kid who was there who two months before, his father shot his mother three times. And then he turned the gun on himself. Reportedly, mom had said, please leave one of us alive for the kids. He went to shoot her and the gun didn't work. He went and got another gun and then he turned it on himself. Talk to that kid. In a weird way, at least this week in camp, which I know is a bit of a solace and a sanctuary and a reprieve from all the crazy things of life, he was doing better than I expected which made me think maybe there was a lot of abuse in his home and the events that happened freed him from that. Now his mom made it. 
She brought him on crutches. Pretty amazing. The other thing that happened uh, during this time was that uh, during VBS, Pastor Tim Gillespie, our teaching pastor for Crosswalk, and Dave Ferguson, who was up here a couple of weeks ago, hope you guys enjoyed Dave, he's a good guy, he's the new pastor down at Chattanooga, we were meeting together to put together the 2024 sermon calendar. And let me tell you, that was not easy. Not because it's, you know, it is always challenging thinking about where you feel the spirit moving and where you want to lead a congregation. But as you know, in 2024, we have to think of something else. We have to think of the fact that coming into the fall, we're going to have an election again that is going to probably tear people and divide people into different sections and in different camps. So how do we lead into that? How do we lead through that? And how do we lead out of that, assuming that that happens? It's a lot to think about. It's a lot to think about. And then, of course, several of you know, a couple weeks ago, I was at the funeral of a good friend of mine, my, one of my closest buddies' wife, Jay Fitt. Um, uh, his wife, Becky, died. Um, and we knew that was coming. It was a 20-month battle. I've shared about them before. Becky was an amazing woman who had prepared them well for this moment. In fact, I've never been to a ceremony that was so well and carefully planned and thought out by the person that was deceased. Every song that was chosen was chosen for a reason. And there were a couple of ACDC songs, so it was pretty, it was pretty crazy. Um, but just a beautiful service. She, she had glioblastoma, so brain cancer, and that's what took her. There was a whole table full of people there from the uh, college that she had gotten her doctorate in. They were not church-going people, but they came because Becky had such an impact on their lives. And they heard about Jesus in that room that day. And then there were MRI techs and nurses and other people that were there just because they experienced Becky and they were so blown away by her spirit of joy and peace in the midst of incredible, tough circumstances. So that was all like amazing but heavy. I got to do the wedding of two of our people, Johanna and Kevin, got married uh, last weekend. Joe was often, yes. Joe is often up here singing. Kevin, once in a while, does keyboards. Uh, it was a fun service. Uh, I mean, I, I typically like to laugh at, at ceremonies, but they laughed a lot, um, partly because of things I said, but partly just because of who they are. Um, so, and I'll tell you this, uh, if you're ever at a wedding where Ty Forche, who's our production lead, um, is there, um, then just know Ty will yell out your name in the middle of the, the ceremony. It's a little awkward. It's a little awkward. I guess it felt like, you know, he was trying to encourage me. Go, Patty! You're doing great! I got through it. I got through it. No, love Ty. Um, I said there, I think it's awkward, or it's ironic that um, one of the loudest people in our faith community is the one that runs sound. And then his wife, Emily, told me that Ty actually can't whisper. So if you ever hear somebody say, turn that up, it's Ty trying to whisper. So... Um, And then, just a few days ago, more news. One of my students that worked for me at Walla Walla University, 29 years old, making her way as a songwriter and singer in Nashville, died suddenly and unexpectedly from a very short battle with cancer. Someone who exuded life, who you just looked at, and she brought joy to any room she was in. 29 years old. In addition to that, some of our closest friends, my daughter's best friend, 
um, Isabella, who I've prayed for before, uh, has been fighting Hodgkin's lymphoma for four years, and she found out that there are spots again on her abdomen, which means going back into treatment, which means for the third time, this 18-year-old losing her hair. So when you talk about building faith, when you talk about deconstructing and finding out what's elemental and what's important and then trying to rebuild your faith, it is so hard to do that when life happens. In fact, if you look at some of the comment threads of people that were writing either about Annie Fletcher, that was the name of the student that died, she's from Seattle, she has tons of cousins and family and friends, people in this community that know her and know the family. When you read through, you see, yeah, I want to have faith, but I... It's so hard when life like this happens. It's so hard every time I open the news and there's another scandal, another indictment, another war, another fire, more deaths, more loss of life. Why? Why is this happening? How do I navigate it? My anxiety is through the roof. My, I don't have enough money at the end of the month to pay the bills. Things are happening everywhere you look and every turn you take, it seems like something else to hit us down and it's hard. It's hard to live this life of faith. I mean, we say this all the time. Jesus never promised us it was going to be easy. He just said he was going to be with us every step of the way. But it's still hard. So how? How do we live this life on this earth without just doing what I think in our faith tradition anyway, if you're part of the Adventist faith community, um, what, what I feel like we've done so much of is we've tried to be escape artists, right? We just want to get out of this place. Just get me to heaven. Then all this will be over. But but then we come across these verses like the Great Commission or Co-Mission where Jesus wants to partner with us to make this place a better world. Now, to be a light in the darkness here and now for our neighbors, for our coworkers, for our friends going through horrible times. How do we do that? How do we build back our faith when the world falls apart? It's hard. I cried this week. I wept this week. But then I also realized... I've been running too far, too fast for too long. I had to take some time off this week because I, I'm a person that thinks all the time. One of those, I don't know if there's any other, other ones of you out there. Um, but when I ask people, like, what you thinking about? My son is really good at this. And he's probably out there now and he's like, oh, my son Aiden is really good at this. Like, I'll say, what are you thinking about, buddy? And he'll say, nothing. And I'm like, how is that possible? I don't know how people do that. Um, You know, so I'm always thinking about something and my mind is rushing and I had signs that I wasn't doing well and I didn't, and I ignored them for a while. Signs like I was getting short and frustrated with people. My family, first of all, that's always the first sign. Uh, But then it started to come out to other people and I was getting frustrated what people were doing or weren't doing. Um, I was managing my anxiety less and less well, which if you've been here long enough, you know my story on that side of it. My spiritual rhythm was off, especially when you travel and you go places. It's so easy to get off on your spiritual rhythm and the things you do on a regular basis to connect with God. Um, My family was coming in last Because look, uh, what I have read when it comes to church planting, this is the first time I've been a part of a church plant, but is these kinds of systems, these kinds of ways of doing work, this is what happens. It's so easy to be so invested and to give so much of yourself that you don't take care of yourself and you don't have much left to give. And that giving starts first to your family and then it starts showing up in your church. And look, my family makes sacrifices. My family makes sacrifices for this place and for you. 
My wife is out there doing coffee right now. My son is helping, partly because of his choice. (laughs) We pray over this place. We sacrifice for this place because we believe so much that this is what God is calling us to do, is help create this space for you and for other people in this community, in this city that don't have a community and that don't have a home. And that's what I want to talk about today. But I realize... I am Martha in the story of Mary and Martha when Jesus was at their home. I am Martha because as it says, Martha was worried and distracted by many things and there was only one thing that mattered and Mary had chosen that thing and Jesus said it wouldn't be taken away from her. Now I've always read that as saying, well, Mary was sitting at the feet of Jesus so I I shouldn't do anything. I should just sit at the feet of Jesus. But Jesus wasn't saying that what she was doing was bad. He was saying that how she was doing it was bad. She was worried and distracted by many things and she lost her connection to Jesus and what matters most. So you can serve and you can give and all of that comes from the outpouring of spending time at the feet of Jesus, listening to what he has to say. So yes, spend time at the feet of Jesus, but yes, serve and help be a part of making this world and this place better. So, um, This brings us back to how we build a faith when life happens. How do we, how do we, when we're lonely, and I know some of us are so lonely, and yet we only come to a place like this, not saying church is a solution for everybody and everything, but but we're lonely and we only come to a place like this once every six weeks. And we think that's enough. In fact, some of my most committed young adults will say, you know, well, yeah, I come once or twice every six weeks. That's, that's what it means to be committed, right? And it's not that it's bad. It's just that it's, it's not enough. It's not enough for you. And it's not enough for what we were called for. So let me talk about how I think we go about building back our faith in a way that will help us sustain and maybe even live in this world a little better and a little more light in the darkness. First of all, I think Acts 2 holds an important clue for us. It reads this. It says, all, you, you know this passage well. All the believers devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching and to fellowship and to sharing in meals and to prayer. A deep sense of awe came over them all and the apostles performed many miracles, signs, and wonders and all the believers met together in one place and shared everything they had. They sold their property and possessions and shared the money with those in need. They worshiped together at the temple each day. I want you guys to start driving out here every single day. And I'm just kidding. All right. Each day they met in homes for the Lord's Supper and shared their meals with great joy and generosity, all the while praising God and enjoying the goodwill of all the people. And each day the Lord added to their fellowship those who were being saved. So a few things, of course, to take note in this. This is all of them devoted themselves to the apostles' teaching. That means discipleship. They were learning, listening to the word of God, reading the word of God, sharing that, what they were learning with other people. They were involved as disciples and they fellowshiped one another. They spent time together in good times and in bad times and they shared meals together. Now meals in part means the Lord's Supper but it could also just mean sitting around a table with each other and getting to know each other better. There were all sorts of amazing things that happened but it says all the believers met together in one place and they shared what they had. Now here's the thing that's tough for us is that especially since the pandemic 
people do community differently. Some people haven't plugged back into community at all. In fact, the statistics say that 40% of church-going young adults, or sorry, church-going adults before the pandemic, uh, or I should say, if they were church-going before the pandemic, only 40% of them have come back to a community after the pandemic. And when you look at young adults, that number jumps up to 87% of church-going young adults that went before the pandemic have not returned after the pandemic. Now, that is the devil trying to make us think that we don't need each other in the journey of faith. That's the devil getting us to think that we can pull ourselves up by our own bootstraps, that, that we don't need this, we don't need to come to church. In the ancient tradition, they came every day to worship. And they encouraged one another as they did. They shared possessions, they, they worshiped together, and they prayed a lot they prayed three times a day in the Hebrew tradition, at morning, midday, and in evening. Setting up a rhythm of prayer is important. Discipleship is important. But we are meant to do all those things together in a community. And I'm not up here, please hear me, I am not up here saying, if you're not coming to church more often, then shame on you. Never want to put shame on anybody. Shame is a tool of the devil. Okay? But sometimes the physician has to tell you what you need. What you need is community. What you need is each other. And when you're struggling with your mental health, when you've had a tough week, I get it. Sometimes the hardest thing to do is to get out of bed and to come and worship with people and to come and see people and come and feel like you have to put on a happy face. Well, people here at Crosswalk, you don't have to put on a happy face. You don't even have to dress up in a suit and tie. If you are, bless you. We welcome you here. Although it is funny, I love being in a church where the people I feel like I have to go up to and make sure they're comfortable are the ones in suits and ties. I love that. And, and what I did in the, the wedding last week, every time I have to put on a tie, like there's a little bit, wait, is it, it oh, yeah, over and then over and then around. Yeah, okay, here we go, got it, yeah, whew. Um, because that used to be so much a part of my life, less so now, nothing wrong against ties, although they are of the devil. Um, <laughs> Except bow ties. Let's be honest. Bow ties are just classy. If you don't know how to tie a bow tie, people, learn. Okay? Watch YouTube for like an hour, and then you'll figure it out. It's like tying a shoe. Anyway, moving on. Yeah. Josue, don't use those. I know you're young. I know. I know. But, like, get there. Um, <laughs> uh, so, we need community. We need each other. Why? Why do we need to see each other so much? Why do we need to come together like this and spend time together like this? Because it is far too easy for us to get trapped into believing that this world is all there is. It is far too easy for us to read the news in the morning, first thing, we grab that phone and we look at social media and we look at the news, we see what's happening and we start to think that this narrative is all we've got. And it is depressing and it is anxiety filling and it is tough to get out of bed when that's the case. Anybody else with me on this? That was part of my burnout. Part of my burnout was just feeling like, man, I am so absorbed in everything that's happening in this world everything that's going on in front of me. Now, I'm not saying you have to be detached. I'm just saying that we need help to have a holy perspective in life. 
And here is some of that holy perspective. Hebrews 13 says, For this world is not our permanent home. We are looking forward to a home yet to come. 2 Corinthians 4, 17-18, For our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Now, that doesn't feel like it. There are times when it feels like our anxiety, our depression, our current set of circumstances is going to last forever. Our lack of finances, our job that we hate, our relationship that we're struggling with, the broken relationship that we have, the, the things we're navigating in this life, a loss of a loved one, of a friend, of a spouse, of a parent, whatever it might be, it feels like that's our forever But our present troubles are small and won't last very long. Yet they produce for us a glory that vastly outweighs them and will last forever. So we don't look at the troubles we can see now. Rather, we fix our gaze on things that cannot be seen. For the things we see now will soon be gone, but the things we cannot see will last forever. What we see and what we experience and what we go through on this earth, it's only a bit of the story, a small bit of the story in the scheme of eternity. I had a girl ask me at camp. She asked me, as part of my class, I let the kids ask me anything that they want. Um, and a lot of these uh, kids don't come from a church background of any kind and whatever. And one of the kids asked, like, she couldn't imagine eternity because she couldn't imagine that being a good thing. Like, she, she liked the idea better of just thinking that everything just ends. And I, I told her, she asked me how I could believe in eternity. And I said, you know, I wonder if the struggle to believe in eternity and life just going on forever is hard because life here on earth isn't good. Maybe her life has some stuff in it that she doesn't want to imagine enduring forever. She kind of shook her head. Her eyes watered. I don't know what kind of home she's going home to. But I wish she had a home like this to go home to. I wish she had a home where people would love on her, not judge her, not condemn her, but just love on her and introduce her to Jesus over and over and over again. Because then maybe with that kind of holy perspective, she could imagine eternity. But listen, eternity isn't a perpetual future. It's not always thinking about this will never end. Eternity is about a perpetual presence. It is about being so in the moment, not worried about yesterday or tomorrow, but so in this moment that we just want more and more and more and more. Another verse, 1 Peter. Peter writes, In his kindness, God called you to share in his eternal glory by means of Christ Jesus. So after you have suffered a little while, he will restore, support, and strengthen you, and he will place you on a firm foundation. All power to him forever and ever. Amen. Romans 8 says, yet what we suffer now is nothing compared to the glory he will reveal to us later. For all creation is waiting eagerly for that future day when God will reveal who his children really are. We need each other because we need to be reminded that the world we see is not the only home that we have. That what we see and experience now is temporary, not eternal. We need each other to help each other have holy perspective. We were created for, by community, for community. So we need this time. We need this time to survive the, and, and last the rest of the week. This is why the psalmist wrote, wrote things like this. Teach us to re- realize the brevity of life so that we may grow in wisdom. 
Or Lord, remind me how brief my time on earth will be. Remind me that my days are numbered. How fleeting my life is. You have made me lo- my life no longer than the width of my hand. My entire frame is just a moment to you. At best, each of us is but a breath. We are merely moving shadows and all our busy rushing ends in nothing. We heap up wealth not knowing who will spend it. And so, Lord, where do I put my hope? My only hope is in you, O Lord. So this life we're in, it is temporal. It is temporary, even though it feels like forever. So we need each other to remind ourselves that when life hurts, it's not going to last forever. When life is hard, we can turn our attention and our eyes to what will last forever, to what our future is, to what the end of the story is. You've heard me say, I know a lot of us uh, stay away from the book of Revelation because, you know, it's scary, there's beasts. We've done some stuff with the book of Revelation that maybe it was never intended to be done. I can remember going to a conference that was spending two days talking about Jesus and I came home to one of those postcards in the mail you know of which I speak. The postcard with all the beasts that are running at you like they're getting ready to devour you. Every single one, the one with all the heads on it and the horns and all this other kind of stuff and like they're getting ready to eat you and then down at the bottom says, learn more at hope.com. I don't know what about this is hope. In fact, uh, if any of you, I don't know if it's still there, but if any of you have ever been to Andrews University, which is the home uh, in Michigan, a desolate wasteland, um, sorry, if you're from there. It's a beautiful country. Um, but uh, it's, uh, if, in, it's the home of the Adventist Theological Seminary, and in the basement of their library um, was this museum that I didn't know I was walking into. I was on the phone at the time, and you know how you're just distracted by what's going on around you, and I walk into this place, <laughs> and, I, and so they, I get off the phone, and I realize I am standing in a place where someone has made a statue, a sculpture of every single beast in the book of Revelation. And I am scared to death. Like, why am I in it? Why do we have this? I don't need this. I got out of there very quickly. But anyway, but the book of Revelation is actually, the title of the book is the uh, Apocalypso of Jesus Christos, which is Revelation of Jesus Christ. So if we read through the book of Revelation, we're not having Jesus Christ more revealed to us than we're not reading it right. Eugene Peterson has a great book, if you want to relook at the the book of Revelation, a great book called Reverse Thunder. And in that book, he argues that you have to look at the book of Revelation through the eyes of John, who wrote it. And John was a poet, and John was a theologian, and John was a pastor. And so if you can look at it through the eyes of a poet, a pastor, and a theologian, then maybe it has a different bent to it. But as a part of this, you know that I say like the great thing about the book of Revelation is no matter where you start in the Bible, the book of Revelation is always the end of the story, right? And wherever you are in your life right now, whatever you're going through, Revelation can be the end of your story as well when you embrace Jesus Christ as your Lord and Savior. Revelation can be the end of your story. And, and what we as a community need to do is encourage one another with the words of what is to come. In fact, um, one of my, uh, uh, here's a, a quote about in, uh, you know, the end times from First Thessalonians. It says, and now, dear brothers and sisters, we want you to know what will happen to the believers who have died so you will not grieve like people who have no hope. 
For since we believe that Jesus died and was raised to life again, we also believe that when Jesus returns, God will bring back with him the believers who have died. We tell you this directly from the Lord, who we who are still living when the Lord returns will not meet him ahead of those who have died. For the Lord himself will come down from heaven with a commanding shout and the voice of an archangel and with the trumpet call of God. First, the believers who have died will rise from their graves. Then together with them, we who are still alive and remain on earth will be caught up in the clouds to meet the Lord in the air. Then we will be with the Lord forever. So encourage one another with these words. We are to encourage one another with the words. When things are down and out and struggling, we say, you know what? Just hang on. Jesus is coming soon. And soon we will get to taste the fruit of heaven. And soon we will get to be in the world that we were meant to be in from the beginning. And soon we will be so filled with love and grace and joy and peace that the former things will pass away. So, if we could spend more time thinking about heaven, thinking about the new earth, because that's going to be our forever. What's going on here, the news feeds, everything else, that's temporary. Our forever is things like this. Then I saw a new heaven and a new earth, for the old heaven and the old earth had disappeared, and the sea was also gone. It's important to note why the sea was gone, because John was on an island And he was sent there as his prison. And every day, what did he look out at? The sea. The sea is what separated him from everyone he loved. And now the sea, the separation is no more. And I saw the holy city, the new Jerusalem, coming down from God out of heaven like a bride beautifully dressed for her husband. I heard a loud shout from the throne saying, Look, God's home is now among his people. I thought about this. The loud shout from the throne Who do we hear is on the throne? God, and by God is Jesus. So who shouted it? Seems like God shouted it. Look, God's home is now among his people. He will live with them and they will be his people. God himself will be with them. He will wipe every tear from their eyes and there will be no more death or sorrow or crying or pain. All these things are gone forever. And the one sitting on the throne said, look, I am making everything new. And then he said to me, write this down for what I tell you is trustworthy and true. And he also said, it is finished. I am the Alpha and the Omega, the beginning and the end. To all who are thirsty, I will give freely from the springs of the water of life. All who are victorious will inherit all these blessings and I will be their God and they will be my children. It goes on and says, I saw no temple in the city. For the Lord God Almighty and the Lamb are its temple. Now when you read this, you're supposed to engage your imagination. See what he's describing. Put yourself there. Breathe in the air of heaven. Touch the beautiful and perfect grass. Listen to the river of life that flows from the throne. I saw no temple. The city has no need of sun or moon for the glory of God illuminates the city and the lamb is its light. The nations will walk in its light and the kings of the world will enter the city in all their glory. Its gates will never be closed at the end of day because there is no night there and all the nations will bring their glory and honor into the city. Nothing evil will be allowed to enter, nor anyone who practices shameful idolatry and dishonesty, but only those whose names are written in the Lamb's book of life. Then the angel showed me a river with the water of life, clear as crystal, flowing from the throne of God and of the Lamb. It flowed down the center of the main street, 
On each side of the river grew a tree of life bearing 12 crops of fruit with a fresh crop each month. The leaves were used for medicine to heal the nations. I looked into this word for medicine and a way to interpret it can be reversal. A reversal of a situation. Now he's not talking about physical reversal because that's already been taken care of. So what else could he be talking about? Could it be our wounds, our emotional scars, the baggage we carry with us? All that we have experienced being filled and healed and reversed by the leaves of the tree of life. No longer will there be a curse upon anything for the throne of God and of the Lamb will be there and his servants will worship him and they will see his face and his name will be written on their foreheads and there will be no night there, no need for lamps or sun for the Lord God will shine on them and they will reign forever and ever. Then the angel said to me, everything you have heard and seen is trustworthy and true. The Lord God who inspires his prophets has sent his angel to tell his servants what will happen soon. So friends, whatever you're going through, whatever you're struggling with, my hope and prayer is that this community whose mission and vision is to love well will give you a place where you can get a reprieve from experiencing all of that, even if just for a moment. And even if just for a moment in a connect group on Tuesday night or a prayer meeting on Thursday morning or a word of encouragement through a text to a friend, you'll be able to lift your eyes up to that forever future of ours. Because if we can think about our forever future, it actually makes us live differently here and now. We can be a light that shines in the darkness for someone because someone you're sitting next to right now needs Jesus' light in their lives. They need to be reminded that what they're going through now is not going to last forever, even though it feels that way. So, Crosswalk, this is our call. This is what we give ourselves to. This is what we sacrifice ourselves for. We hope and pray that you will invest in community. And I get it, it's hard. And I'm gonna talk for just a moment and I'm landing the plane. Promise. I'm gonna talk for a minute about my friend and brother Lawrence that's in the back. Brother Lawrence, it's interesting. There was actually a monk named Brother Lawrence. I'm not gonna talk about him. I'm talking about you, Lawrence. Um, Lawrence came into this community without the stories and the shared experiences in the Adventist faith tribe, which there's a lot of Adventists in this room. There are those that are not. And we're so excited to have a diverse family here in this room. Um, but he went through a, a challenging and difficult experience, life experience, and it's been a hard road for the last 14, 15, 16 months. And there are several times when he almost walked away because he felt like he was coming and not being seen and, and, and you know, just just was invisible and, and no one knew, even though he'd be greeted at the door and loved, there was inside, there was distance. But Lawrence didn't give up and walk away. He kept coming week after week after week. And that's what it takes, friends, because when we just dabble into a community, it's easy to walk away and feel like, ah, that community doesn't have what I need or ah, that community isn't for me. Well, don't dabble. Invest for a year or two in community before you walk away. Find a place that has values that you can be excited about. And we're pretty clear about ours. We're a place that wants to love well in our community. Love God, love each other, love our community. We want to be a place of belonging, a place of experience, and a place <laughs> where we are excited to follow God wherever he may lead us. 
but invest in a community and give of yourselves and see what happens and work through the pain and work through the struggle and watch what happens when you come to around a group of people that will lift your eyes to the heavens to where our help comes from. That's what we are here to do, to be a place of hope, to be a place of joy, to be a place of love and grace, to introduce people to Jesus so that Jesus may go to work in their lives and to remind each other when our world is falling apart that this home is temporary and our Jesus home is permanent. That is a place we will live forever. That is a joy we will experience forever. That day is coming soon, so just hang on. Will you pray with me? Ah, Jesus Christ, Lord and Savior. (laughs) Thanks for letting me ramble today and share my heart. I hope and pray it was a glimpse of yours and a glimpse of what you want for this community and for your people that are gathered here in this room. And Lord, I know there's heaviness in this room. I know there are people struggling with things that we have no idea what's going on in their lives. We'd like to, but maybe they're not ready to share yet. I hope and pray that everyone here could feel like this is a place that they can belong no matter what, even if their beliefs are different, even if they're at different places, that, that they can belong here because we all were created to belong. And when you belong here in this place, not only are we going to love well, God, we're going we're to also try to turn our eyes and our attention to you as the author and perfecter of our faith. We're going to turn our eyes and our attention to the glory that is to be revealed in us, recognizing that our sufferings here are temporary and short-lived and will not last forever. But you and us and this will last forever. We will worship together forever. We will sing joy together forever. We will be in a place where there is no more death and mourning or crying or pain forever. Help that day come soon and help us as a community hold on to each other as we hang on for you. In the precious and holy and powerful name of Jesus Christ, our Lord and Savior, I pray these things. Amen.